Welcome to this episode of the Mobility Minute Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Martin. Today we speak with Nancy McGann. Nancy is a physical therapist and ergonomist whose work in both inpatient and outpatient environments has molded her understanding of the value mobility and safe patient handling can have on quality of care. In her current role as system manager of clinical associate safety at SCL Health in Colorado, McGann has worked closely with hospital leadership to establish the framework for system-wide mobility initiatives. It was great to be able to speak with Nancy, and I think her perspective as a physical therapist who now works in the quality department uh, is very unique. And as she gets into a little bit, isn't very common in hospitals across the country. So with that, we'll get into our conversation. I appreciate Nancy and her time uh, to be able to talk with us here on the Mobility Minute podcast. Enjoy. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining us today. As we do with most of our guests, I'd like for you to start by giving a little bit about your background and how this combination of physical therapy and quality led you to the role that you're currently in. Sure, I would be happy to. So um, I, when I graduated from, from college, um, I worked in kind of your big teaching hospital first um, and ended up really being more attracted to the outpatient rehab. And so spent my last year when I was at Brigham and Women's in Boston in the outpatient clinic. And I rounded at that time with their industrial accident board and treated a lot of people that were injured on the job. And it led me to my next role, which was was working really um, for a rehab hospital in their occupational rehab division and treating vast majority of my patients had back injuries. That was my specialty in manual therapy. And they were injured on the job. And then we also rehabilitated them to go back to their heavy manual jobs, most of them. And so I worked um, at Braintree Rehab for about eight years and um, ended up moving up into a management position. I managed all the occupational rehab programs in um, our outpatient clinics that were, you know, all around the metro Boston area. And at that time, I also had the opportunity to work on site at Raytheon and FootJoy and some other corporations. We had PT clinics that we embedded there and we'd go out and do the ergonomics because what we noticed is we would treat people, they would get better. We'd even put them maybe in our work conditioning or hardening programs, and then they'd come back. And they came back because they were introduced to the same poor ergonomic design as before. And so that is really when I started studying ergonomics, which is about two years after I graduated from college in the early 90s. Um, and, and that sort of kind of led me on that, on that path. And really, um, the, the ergonomic uh, tools and equipment that I had for those industrial environments were far superior to what I could offer my colleagues where I worked. And again, Braintree Rehab had an outpatient part, a very large one, but they also had an inpatient hospital, rehab hospital, traumatic brain injury, stroke rehab, and spinal cord injury. And so I also spent a lot of time treating my colleagues, and I did not have good solutions for them at that time. Really, um, you know, I raised the bed, get help, use a gate belt, you know, use the right technology. That was really all we can offer them. And they were getting injured and re-injured, where the people I was treating in industry, we could correct their ergonomics. There were good solutions. And 
And so when safe patient handling technology was first introduced to me in the early 2000s, it was like the collision of, of both my worlds um, because I could help with my um, colleagues and give them the right tools so that they could do their job and not get hurt. And early on, I also started thinking about actually the quality of patient care. And the reason why was because of my background in ergonomics. And so what I anticipated with safe patient handling early on was if this is a really good ergonomic modification, it's also going to improve quality. Um, but I had no idea at that time just how much it would improve quality. Thank you for explaining all of that. Uh, it seems like your worlds really did collide to end up where you're currently at. Uh, is it common to see someone with a physical therapy background end up in quality? Not that I know of. Um, I don't know any, I, you know, I, I am connected in the safe patient handling world pretty vastly on a national level. And I don't know anyone else who works in quality and safety like I do, um, whether they're a PT or a nurse with this kind of background in ergonomics and safe patient handling. Um, and my journey there was sort of a unique one because I, I, you know, I've worked in my healthcare system for a little over 14 years. And really, uh, associate and patient safety should be together. It's, we call it one safety at SCL Health because safety is safety. So if you have a safety culture and if you're doing the interventions to prevent injury to our patients, you're also preventing injuries to our associates and the like. And um, so I really, um, I embrace this. I think it's actually a great place for people with my background. Um, but certainly I do feel like a fly on the wall as a physical therapist because the, the vast majority are, are pharmacy physicians and nurses and really rehab um, has had little to do in my experience with this in the past. Um, so how, you talk a little bit about that PT background, but how did that continue to shape um, how you see safety and quality in your system specifically? Early on, I was very um, concerned that we were only looking at associate safety as a measure of success for safe patient handling specifically, because that's where I was most involved at that time. And an event happened at one of our hospitals and one of our wound care nurses reported it in our event reporting software that really um, helped me to to voice why this this is such a big deal for patient safety. So this particular nurse went in because she had a consult for a, a coccyx wound that she needed to debride. And it was an 80-year-old cancer patient. She was in for IV chemotherapy. And she was there with her daughter, who was her caretaker at home. And when she had to look at the wound, she used the repositioning sling that was under the patient and ceiling lift to move the patient up and to turn her. And then when she was leaving the room after her treatment, lunch was coming in and her daughter said, hey, could you help me boost my mom up in bed for lunch? And this particular nurse was like, well, I'll get your mom boosted up in bed for lunch, but I don't need your help. We can use the lift for this. And they, she used the lift. She didn't have the daughter's help. And her daughter actually got a little teary and was like, oh, this is so much better. You know, I've been helping boost my mom up with the other caregivers. And every time we do that, her skin peels off and, and it really hurts her. So that one event really allowed me in our organization to show the huge impact of what's protecting our associates from being injured is also majorly improving the quality of care we deliver. And that seems to be at the core of what your role in your organization is. How does your perspective as a physical therapist contribute to the overall goals of the safety and quality department? 
We don't tend to have senior leaders on a system level that are physical and occupational therapists. Really, we have our chief nursing officer, our chief medical officer, our chief operating officer. So I'm often the only PT in the room in a lot of these conversations, not because I'm a PT and because of my role in, in as a clinical associate safety manager. So it does, um, it does open my eyes to the lack of focus at times on that knowledge base that comes from being in rehabilitation and being a part of root cause analysis and clinical pathway development, um, getting involved with the Institute for Healthcare Com- Improvement and, and some of their process improvement strategies. You know, these are all things that uh, would greatly benefit the rehab world. And likewise, that rehab input and the way we look at things as physical and occupational therapists greatly help the quality world. So I would, as a, uh, I would love to see more people with my background in a quality and safety role. There's just so much that... Um, that needs to be understood about physiology of mobility um, and that, you know, not only is it the obvious stuff, like we don't want people's muscles to get wasted while they're in the hospital, but we will directly impact blood pressure being uh, having a healthier response by being more mobile and upright. We'll avoid ventilator um, acquired pneumonias by getting people more mobile and getting their lungs more mobile, our COVID population, huge with that. And so with that and hearing about that and understanding these qualities measures has allowed me to address that in a different way because of my PT background. And one thing we did last year in 2020 is we had mobility as medicine tip sheets and we picked a different physiologic body system every month and addressed what low mobility does to those systems and related it to the BMAT, which is our mobility assessment tool at SCL Health, and how to exercise safely using equipment to overcome that low mobility. And I can tell you that our physicians and our nurses really opened their eyes and got them very excited about this whole process and helped to get that buy-in that we needed that, that, you know what, missing an opportunity to mobilize is like missing a blood pressure medication. It's not going to hurt someone immediately, but it will lead them down the road to morbidity and mortality. And that we need to get away from the thinking that safe patient handling is a passive way of moving someone from point A to point B. And, and it's no, it, it does do that for sure. And it needs to do that. But it also facilitates mobility, walking with a sling and a lift, for example. And, and again, the key is to get that education ap- across that, you know, intrinsically as a PT or an OT that you may not know as a physician or a nurse. Right. And being able to relay your experience as a PT uh, and communicate with that senior leadership uh, who may not have that sort of perspective on things. So how do you communicate with those who don't have your background about the far reaching impacts that immobility can have? So the key is measurement. So you need to highlight that there's a, a, a problem. Then you need to talk about the solution to the problem. And then you need to ask senior leaders what you need from them from, for support. They are bombarded with information and are very busy people with a lot coming at them. So simple reporting numbers, absolutely need numbers. And then getting the ask. So what, what do you need from me? Don't just tell me that or don't just come to me with a problem. Come to me with a problem, a solution and an ask. And I find those three things is the most effective way to, to work with these people that are, that have the ability to remove barriers like you've never seen, but also are very busy, have a lot of people asking them stuff. So, um, so you, you need to, you need to get into that consciousness at a very high level. 
Um, and that even goes for the frontline leaders as well. But um, you really do need to garner that support in our organization. We have these grants. And um, a couple of years ago, I had been talking with a lot of our frontline leaders about mobility grant. And so about four or five people applied for those grants. And that's actually when the system office came to me and said, pull together a system-wide grant for this because they needed to see there was frontline leadership willing to invest in this. And then we go to the senior leaders and, and show that support. So you, you really do need both ends. In terms of some of the measures that you guys have on that you can directly tie to an increase in mobility, um, such as length of stay, readmissions, can you talk a little bit to how those are all interconnected? Yeah. And and before I dive into that, I, I do want to reflect on the balancing, the need for balancing measures, because what we've done historically, and that some of that is from our regulatory bodies, is we focused on patient falls and patient falls with injury. And in so doing that, we ended up avoiding moving our patients. So we weren't moving them because we didn't want them to fall. So if they stayed in bed or they stayed in their chair they're not going to fall, but they're going to decline and they're going to have physiologic changes that then actually increase their risk of falling. So it really was a vicious cycle. So at SEL Health, we have balancing measures so that we won't incentivize things in an improper way. So we want to see less falls. We want to see less patient handling injuries, preventing falls or prevent or boosting a patient. And we want to see increased mobility. What we're doing this year is we're looking at increasing ambulation of our 65 and older population because they're the most vulnerable to the effects of immobility. And in the future, we're actually going to be doing dashboards and development on preambulation. So measuring that is complex. And um, I'll focus mostly on just measuring what we're doing this year is ambulation and next year preambulation. You need to work with your clinical informatics team and you need to work with all your stakeholders because we often need to change our documentation and educate people on that. Then we need to work with our abstractors and our, our anal analytics teams that could build an extra, um, a dashboard that they extract accurately from a health record. Because if you don't have it from the health record, it's very labor intensive and it's not going to happen. So that is what we have been doing. And so we do have a very simple ambulation dashboard uh, that our leaders can even extract patient level information so they can see who is walking three times a day for a sustained period of time. Who's not? If not, why not? And they also get those reports. So on a monthly basis, our nurse executive committee gets a dashboard and they see our pilot units right now and starting next month, every unit in our in our hospital system. Um, and how much they're ambulating that 65 and older population. So it's, it's a, it's a simple to use it and it's very hard to get to that simple state of communication. And so the easier that you can get data and the more it's visual to people, the more you're going to create that opportunity for change. Um, if it's not measured, it's very difficult to get change to happen. And again, if you want senior leaders to invest in your work, they need to see it's going to change and they need to see there's a good measure or they're not going to invest in it, and understandably so. And the other thing that we we do as an organization really um, is is that you need to be rapidly be able ready to change when something's not working. And so there's a lot of lot of work with process improvement so that we do that effectively. I want to talk about a phrase that you had mentioned previously in our conversation um, about you know, and you touched on this a little bit previously, but. You mentioned that safe employees lead to safe patients and safe patients lead to safe employees. Um, 
Can you break down what that means to you and how you've tried to incorporate it um, in terms of your mobility uh, protocols and programs? Yeah. And I'll link that back to your other question, which is about the hospital acquired conditions. And so in the healthcare quality world, we have what's called an integrated quality scorecard, and it covers a huge majority of patient safety measures that both impact the quality of care we deliver, how other outside organizations report our safety record, and how we get reimbursed by CMS and by other governing bodies, how we're looked at by Joint Commission, things like that. Um, so really, when you're looking at at that marriage of patient and associate safety, you're looking at our employees not getting injured, but you're also looking at at that because they're having less falls, skin tissue damage, caudies and collapses, which are urinary tract infections and blood infections, because they're having less pneumonias, we will then see a decrease in our length of stay and a decrease in our 30-day readmissions. And those are are huge quality indicators, again, that are so important in our organization because it shows we're treating our patients and we're not harming our patients. And it helps us to be more financially sound so that we can go on and and give the tools to our patients, to our employees, our caregivers to take care of our patients. So if you have a culture of safety, it's going to be safer for your employees and your patients. That cancer patient I mentioned is a great example of that, right? That same tool that prevents injury to our nursing staff also allows a better patient satisfier, a lower risk of infections from a cancer patient's skin peeling off when we're boosting them in bed. So really, you can't separate the two because if you have a intervention, in this case, an ergonomic intervention, a lift, um, if, if it's a good intervention, it's going to improve quality, which is patient safety in, in this instance in healthcare, and it's going to improve the safety of your caregiver. Another major indicator in the quality world is nursing to patient ratios. Um, clearly, the lower the ratio, the safer our patients are. So if we can keep our nurses using their critical thinking and not their physical humping ability, um, we're going to go a long way in patient safety. So again, measuring mobility and mobilizing safely with technology is the true answer from, from this angle. Thank you for hitting on that. And utilizing technology as opposed to brute physical force can be really helpful for caregivers who have a lot on their plate. So thank you for acknowledging that. And I appreciate how you've painted this picture for us. Thank you. And, you know, I want to add one more thing, and it's kind of cliche, um, but one one of the things that we always have to remember when we're in healthcare, and we don't take that the oath that a physician does as a physical therapist, but it's certainly still our goal. Is it's always that first do no harm, and really that's another reason we fit in the quality world because we do harm our patients when we don't mobilize them or we don't do the right skin protection technique or whatever that happens to be. And so in, in the case again of mobility, we are going to harm our patients if we don't use safe patient handling techniques technology to mobilize them sooner and safer. And we're never going to get the support for that unless we can clearly measure mobility. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the message I really want to leave with is that we are harming our patients in, in the whole world really right now um, by, by keeping them in bed, keeping them in chair. And so I do hope for a better future because I'm getting older and I'm going to be one of those patients soon. Well, it's been wonderful speaking with you today on the Mobility Minute podcast, Nancy. Some of my key takeaways revolved around the statement you made earlier about missing an opportunity to mobilize and equating that to missing a blood pressure medication. 
You also talked about the importance of mobility measurement and taking that data to visualize it to your senior leadership. So again, I thank you for your time today and appreciate you being with us on the Mobility Minute podcast. Thanks. The Mobility Minute podcast brought to you by Recovery Force Health. 